Hey everybody, it is uh, Wednesday, May 31st, dang, already here, almost June, uh, 2017, my name is Luke Thomas, this is the Promotional Law Practice Live Chat here on MMAfighting.com, thank you so much for joining me, I greatly appreciate it. Uh, today on the podcast, we'll get to, of course, all your comments and questions, but I suspect most will center around UFC 212, which of course is going to be on Saturday. No one's really talking about it, but the Mundials or this weekend, the IBJJF Worlds. Um, Bouchesh is back. Dylan Danis has a lot riding on that. So if you have any questions about that, we can get to that as well. Um, let's see. Plus, of course, we just got past UFC Stockholm. There's a lot of this Durandamy Cyborg stuff. There's a lot going on. So uh, best place to get your questions in is going to be on where this window is embedded on MMAfighting.com. It's not going to be in the YouTube comment section. Just a lot of, a lot of donkeys down there. Um, also, you can get a question in on Twitter. You can uh, tweet me at LThomasNews. Of course, you can use the hashtag chat rappers as well. This is all explained on the post on MMA fighting. As you can see, I finally got a haircut. Uh, my my beard has gone through one layer of trimming. I have another layer to go, but it is at least better than it has been in quite some time. Uh, the lady who cuts my hair, she literally comes to my house. Uh, and She was out of town, so... I didn't want to go, and if you go to any other place in, in this city, it's a gazillion dollars to do it, so I didn't want to do it. So, But I got it fixed. Looks better, right? I look less homeless now. Okay, first question that is up. The Durandamy saga. Luke, is Jermaine Durandamy being a coward for not wanting to fight Cyborg? Also, she being hypocritical by calling her a cheater. Your take on the matter. Um so this one is, uh, it, you don't see a lot of these too often, right? I remember when everyone was accusing Tito Ortiz of ducking Chuck Liddell. Um, and maybe he was, but it didn't feel like this one. This one is sort of more nakedly someone trying to avoid someone else. Um, I got to be honest, though. I personally have a bit of an issue. I mean, and I'm not saying it's not true. I'm not saying it's not true that... Uh, Durandamy is no, she's not scared of cyborg. I don't, I'm not, I don't know that that I'm not declaring that to be false. And I also, you know, I've encouraged other journalists or media members, and I certainly want to encourage myself to be have you know, have courage of your convictions, like say what you believe to be true, you know, be responsible, be fair, but but don't hide the truth. And so, my hunch is that there might be something to that, but I'm a little bit uncomfortable sitting in a chair as a media member telling. Uh, a, a fighter, not merely a fighter, but a fighter as experienced and as decorated in including just the striking arts themselves as Duran to me of being afraid in some sort of schoolyard sense. Again, it might very well be true. I am not saying it's not, but I am a little bit uncomfortable saying that to, to, if I'm just can just be honest with you. Um, but you don't need to say that to get the point across. Uh, certainly it would drive it home if it's actual actually true, but I think for me, the way I look at it, this is very, very, very simple. Uh, there is no good defense of her actions. It just isn't a good defense of it. Um, I mean, which way do you want to go with this one? Uh, you accepted a fight that not. I mean, you didn't win it controversially. It's, there was controversial actions in, in the course of it in terms of you know maintaining a proper ethical standard. So there's that. Then on top of it. Uh, you win and you agree to fight Cyborg. Then you come back and you say, well, what about giving Holly Holm a rematch, which nobody really asked for. 
And then there was sort of radio silence for a time. And then you come back out and you say, well, I just can't fight this known and proven cheater. Um, which is, you know, totally uh, a non-starter in a number of ways. Number one, not only is it the number one contender, it's also the biggest money fight by a mile. By a mile. It, you get the rare, the rare twofer there, where not only is this the most meritocratic fight you can make, it's also the biggest one, certainly of her MMA career, by a long shot. Right, so there's no real way to hide there and say, "Well, this doesn't accomplish X or Y." It covers all the bases there qu quite handily. And I think the other sort of discussion we need to have here is about um, how fighters use USADA to shame other fighters, one way or the other. It actually happens in a number of different directions. In this particular one, she's saying, "Well, she got caught by USADA." So there was, I mean, look, you, we can all agree that Cyborg could have handled that situation differently, but. Ultimately, she was not punished and largely exonerated. Um, and I agree that there might be suspicion remaining. I don't think that Duran to me is saying something that a lot of fighters don't feel, but suspicion is not fact. Um, the fact of the matter is the fighters have agreed, you know, you could argue been forced into, but they didn't really rebel. They basically agreed to a world where n to, to, to completely eradicate doping, they would have to live in controlled environments in tiny little jail cells and have their every move watch. Uh, and even that, I don't think, would eliminate it, right? Imagine if they were living in, like, solitary confinement. Then you could probably eliminate doping. But certainly we all agree that that would be a ridiculous degree to which you would go to stamp out doping. So what, you, uh, what, we, what the fighters essentially agreed to was, okay, how about this rigorous, relatively speaking, standard here by USADA, why don't we just use that? And the agreement is, of course, that's not a perfect system, but it's basically pretty good by their own admission, by their own actions, and that to the extent you can operate in that space, then you should be sanctioned to compete. Um, knowing that you could still be ending up fighting somebody who was on something and is just ahead of the curve in terms of doping, but there's a, just this agreement in place, because if you don't have that, you don't have anything. Right. If you are willing to say that the that this level of testing, which you know they all parade as the highest level all the time, and maybe that's true, uh, if the, if somebody can just say, "Well, I don't trust that this is good enough," and I therefore I don't have to fight anyone, then no one has to fight anyone ever. Um, and look, ultimately, Durandamy doesn't have to fight Cyborg, like doesn't have to. You know, if you don't want to fight this person, don't relinquish your title. Uh, which it appears that's what she's going to do. So in some ways, she's uh, following the uh, path that is available to her. But the problem is that, you know, I, I interviewed her prior to UFC 208. She was bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, man. You know, there was a whole lot of enthusiasm about defending that belt and everything else. And then to have this sort of weird chain of events that followed, you know, look, she just wasn't prepared for the championship responsibility that came there. It's just as simple as that. Um, and that's okay, but you shouldn't tell people up front that you're ready for that when you know you're not. You're totally not ready for that at all. And to just to just undermine the system that the the general agreement of essentially enforcement of doping, uh, and just to say, well, you know, because you haven't been caught doesn't mean it's not happening. I mean, this is what a child says. It's what a child says. You 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 have a system that is operating that is clearly superior in terms of detection and, de and determinant than maybe any other system out there, albeit in my judgment, woefully inadequate. But 
certainly the fighters have agreed that there's just a limit to this. There's a finite amount of people. There's a finite amount of time in the day. There's a finite amount of resources you can contribute to anti-doping. And this is much better than the state commission system. You are going to catch or deter a lot more people this way. Uh, okay. Now you're going to say this is inadequate because this person has had relatively a minor, if not a totally uh, benign issue. Uh, it's, it's, it's a really weak argument, man. It's a really, really weak argument. So look, if you didn't want to fight cyborg, that's fine. There's look, Durandamy is not alone in the number of natural bantamweights who don't want to face cyborg. Trust me. There are a bunch of them who just don't have the desire, you know, or they don't have the desire for the amount of money or, you know, whatever resources that are going to be conferred upon them. Like she's not alone in that regard. In that sense, she's very much common, I think, among the elite bantamweights, but the difference is, you know, once once you signed that dotted line on the Holly Holm bout and you won the contest, it was over. Like you had to, you had to own up to it. Um, so I don't begrudge her if she's willing to relinquish the title, but she should be more formal about it. She shouldn't wait to be stripped, and the UFC should strip her immediately if that's what it's going to come to. Um, just not at all prepared for the responsibilities of being a champion, not at all. And frankly, the arguments of, you know, she's a known and proven cheater, are just terribly weak. Terribly weak. And the funny part about it all is in the last couple of weeks, Cyborg, people think Cyborg is this really easy person to pick on. And years ago, I think that was very true. And it's even true a little bit today. It's not that it's not true. It's just that um, between the Magana situation, I don't know if it's Magana or Magana, and, and this one, boy, what a PR boost Cyborg has gotten. Hmm. Everybody used to uh, act as if the, you know there's no way to run afoul of making fun of Cyborg or using her for some kind of purposes to make oneself look better, right? I'm gonna she's a known and proven cheater, right? Not really. You saw it didn't really sanction her. I mean, back in the Strike Force days, but that's got nothing to do with today. Uh, certainly, she's no more aberrant than a a lot of other people in the UFC who have had some much more profound issues than her, uh, you know, or you know the issues where she's making in Magana's case, making fun of cyborg's appearance, boy, that backfired for both of them. I think we live in an age now where folks are desperate for stars. Folks are desperate to see cyborg out there competing in a natural weight class. They just want to see the beast perform. And, you know, people, uh, erecting these very weak arguments to prevent that in one instance, or just taking total cheap shots at her after this accumulation of cheap shots where people really began to be like, feel sorry for her. Um, it has backfired. It has backfired. Cyborg hasn't had this good of a two weeks in years. Um, and just in terms of public perception, they have done her a huge favor. So look, not at all controversial that a bantamweight doesn't want to fight Cyborg. But the bantamweight who signs up for it and then declines and then erects all of these really weak arguments as a way of avoiding it, it's just a terrible, terrible look and, and total evidence that um, she was deeply unprepared for that responsibility. And I think the other part is, is like, look, what are we going to do here? If you, talk to, if you talk to matchmakers of various organizations, what they'll tell you is you need at a minimum, and I mean a minimum, 20 uh women or 20 fighters for a division ideally 25 30 or more is really what is when you could start to begin to hum 
but just to like get it going, you need about 20, 25. Yeah. They don't have that at featherweight and they're not going to have that at featherweight anytime soon. Right. So, so let's stop the pretenses here. Cyborg bears responsibility here in how she got everything jacked up with this division and how it got started and everything else. We all know the stories and UFC bears some responsibility here. And so does Duran to me. This could not have possibly gone a whole lot worse. I mean, I suppose there's some ways it could have gone worse, but this is, this is easily below anyone's even modest expectations. Turn this down. Um, and all the characters involved deserve responsibility. But if we just stop the pretense about this and just realize what this is, we are in a time where we could use as much star power as available. She clearly has some. There clearly is demand for her. Uh, it's just the cyborg division, and all we have to do is stop the pretense about it. Just do what Invicta did. Here's cyborg, and occasionally they would trot out, you know, somebody who was pretty good, overmatched but pretty good, uh, a Marlus Kunin, for example. But then the rest of the time, she's over there just bludgeoning people. That's what people want. That's what the market is there for. <laughs> like, let's just stop having these these weird debates or issues and hangups. Like, it's got to be this kind of division. We are in lean times, folks. Lean times. Um, that means there's going to be some kind of adjustments and we talked about it last week, not every kind of adjustment, at least not, you know, everyone's going to have personal preferences in that regard. But in this one, this one seems real simple. This is cyborgs division. Why pretend otherwise? Just set it up and she'll knock them down and, or maybe cats and gano beats her. I don't know, but that's what really this is about. It's not about anybody else. And clearly everyone else is not up to the task. Cyborg is. Here's someone else's take. It's hilarious. Cyborg is a cheater. <laughs> As the champion of the featherweight division, she should have some say in who she fights. Before the fight, <laughs> Holly was asked if she'd fight Cyborg after winning the featherweight title. She declined to commit to that fight either. Everyone knows it. GDR is the one saying it in, in italics. Cheater. Okay. <laughs> um, all right, Glover versus Teixeira. How can a ref and a doctor let a fighter who can't see continue? Well, that's a great question. Here's the question. There has been much talk about the late stoppage in the Gus Glover fight. Much of that talk has been about how much damage Glover took. I think the biggest issue was that the doctor and the ref, Mark Goddard, let Glover continue when he explicitly stated to the referee he couldn't see after the eye poke. He answered no when Goddard asked him if he could see. How can a ref and a doctor let that continue? I would, I would have hated a stoppage at that time as much as any fan. But sometimes ref and doctors have to make unpopular decisions to protect fighters. Your thoughts? I completely agree. I completely agree. Number one, it would have saved him a beating. Uh, and number two, yeah, this is a strange one. How many times have you guys seen fights where somebody has asked, hey, can you see? And they're like, no. And the bout is stopped. And they're like, hey, what the hell? Why was that fight stopped? Well, it's because you declared you couldn't see him. But in fact, I believe it's written into certain state codes where once the fighter once the fighter declares affirmatively they can no longer see or no longer see uh, uh, correctly, 
you know, it means versus no vision versus, you know, blurred or something. Uh, once they have affirmatively declared that, then the referee uh, has a, either responsibility to call it off or the doctor does or both. Um, I think this will vary state to state about who has responsibility. In some states, the referee can end it. In some states, the referee takes a note from the doctor. In some cases, the doctor can outright call it, you know, with the referee waving it off. I mean, there's this, there's this weird um, uh, incongruity about who's got ultimate control of what. But, uh, yeah, that, that was sketchy to me. And I... But what Lever Teixeira said was, or he was asked, can you see? He was asked like very clearly by Mark Goddard. And what Glover said was, no, but I'm going to fight. And then Mark Goddard asked the referee, I believe he asked him something to the effect of, can he fight? Is he okay to fight? Doctor said, yes. I don't know how that happens either, man. I really don't. I really don't. It seems to me procedural. You have a box you have to check. Can you see? Yes. Okay. Doctor confirmed he can see. Make sure he's not just lying to you, right? Doing some sort of field sobriety test or something. Um, and if he fails that, okay. But if you say, oh, you can't see? Okay, here's what the manual says. If the person says they can't see, it doesn't matter what else they say. Now you go through the process of waving it off and everything else. Um, that one is shocking too. You know, come to think of it, I'd like to see what Mark Goddard has to say about that. Uh, maybe I'll reach out to him and see what we can figure out there because that one baffled me as well. That was a surprising result it's a great question it's a really great question because you you and i both know of instances where somebody has said they can't see the fight is waved off and they're like but i still want to fight doesn't matter if you want to fight there are conditions that have to be in place before your consent to fighting even matters right that you consent is irrelevant if these other conditions ostensibly aren't met but i, I guess it was different this time that's a great question that's a really good question Hmm. Someone says because Glover showed everyone how a because Glover showed everyone how a real fighter who wants to continue acts in front of a doctor. You tell him, buddy. Um. And then someone else rightly notes the problem was that he Glover almost got finished in the second, third, and finally put away in the fifth. Credit to his toughness, but how much is enough? He was lucky Gus chose to grapple with him when he dropped him in the second and third. He had just made him stand back up. He had finished Glover much earlier. The corner should throw in the towel, but the win bonus, in my opinion, is a huge factor. The coaches and corner get a percentage of winnings. There is that conflict of interest as well, but that's that's true to an extent of, of big fights in boxing. To me, it's a bigger issue of just culture. We just have a culture of brutality that um, goes a little too far. Unfortunately, there are just we have we are way too make sure I didn't mess with the audio. We are way too accommodating of unnecessary brutality in this in the name of cleanliness of decision. You know, I mean, look at the there was a clip I saw on Facebook this morning. It was uh, Joe Stevenson talking to um oh god, what's that other guy? Uh, Justin Edwards in the Ultimate Fighter House talking about his injuries. Oh my god. I mean, torn pecs degenerative disc disease, dislocated shoulders. I mean, the whole thing, just the amount of abuse that a body takes to do this at a professional level for any kind of prolonged period of time, not merely over the course of time, but in, in particular incidents like this. We have a sport where the amount of injury is so inconvenient, it prevents, and it should prevent more, uh, a cleanliness of procedure, right? Everyone in the NFL 
for example, here in D.C., where we have a loser mentality with our sports teams, understandably so, uh, and people are delusional about the Redskins, they finished uh, with a, they were the NFC East champions two seasons ago, and they finished the season of eight, seven, and one. That one game was the one in London where it was a tie, I believe, against the Bengals, if I'm not mistaken, right? These idiots in town go, <laughs> that's t- that's two seasons in a row of winning seasons. It's like it's super not what that is. But but more importantly, everyone after that after that tie was really upset. They just didn't feel right. You don't know if it's a win, if it's a loss. You can't quite tell what to make of it. And people want to avoid that. They want to get a cleanliness about it. There's a winner, there's a loser, bang. That's what they want. They want they want some kind of understandable, easy to follow formality about it. And we want that in fighting too. We don't want some eye poke to be like, well, what would have happened? He could have done this and he could have done that. And we 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 let that get in the way of um, better, I think, decisions about health. And that it goes not just from regulators and officiants who could do a better job, but fighters themselves lying to medical staff, either during a fight, before it, or after it, to avoid some kind of medical suspension or to be able to go through with a contest. Hey, how's your ankle feel? Ankle feels great. Meanwhile, it's shattered or something. I mean, this is common. How many fighters do you know just lie about... Um, about uh, the state of their health as a consequence of to avoid some sort of sanction either before, during, or after a contest. It's part of the game to an extent. But at some point, if you don't have an incentive in that way, your only incentive is to protect the fighters and and, and operate that octagon space. You need to make better decisions about what you say yes and no to. You know. A lot of CM Punk trolls today. I'm not sure what that's all about. Uh, Jones hasn't fought in a while, and the and in the meantime, DC and Gus have had some impressive wins. How do you see the balance between the tweet the top three live heavyweights? Impossible to know. When is CM Punk coming back? <laughs> when is CM Punk coming back? Uh, good question here. Vitor Belfort's legacy. Vitor has his farewell fight in the UFC anyway this weekend. And although recent years have been tarnished by his TRT PED, recent years, bro, that goes back a long time before recent years. And getting knocked out in the first round in four of his last five fights, Belfort is undoubtedly an MMA legend. How would you sum up Belfort's legacy? You know, someone asked me this question last night, actually. I was taught, we were talking about it. And uh, I, this is, I really believe this. I firmly believe this. Could be wrong. I guess we'll see how history ultimately remembers him. But, um, hold on. Look, is it possible to have a real conversation about the totality of Belfort's career by ignoring or not including in some real way a discussion about the TRT era or his PED abuse, documented PED abuse, at least insofar as uh, athletic commissions are concerned? It's not possible. It's not possible. It is a fun- It is a big part of uh, who he was. Um either when he was doing it above board to whatever extent that was or when he was doing it not above board this is an incontestable part 
of his identity and frankly his success to an extent some of his failures too but um his success as a fighter it's just a fact it's just a fact okay i mean it's my opinion but i don't know how you can how you could possibly go through the course of his career and ignore that but but here's the bigger lesson I, I think is true if you're going to want to follow any other sport where there were, were PED infractions or suspected PED use or whatever the case may be. That's not really Vitor Belfort's legacy, not, not as far as I'm concerned. The bigger legacy there is, yes, that component, which I just mentioned, but sorry, he's a Brazilian pioneer in the modern era. That's who he is. This is a guy who was there for some of Pride's biggest days, certainly for the UFC certainly for the UFC's major ascendancy in Brazil uh, you know, a few years ago. This was the guy leading the front of it. He's arguably the most popular fighter ever out of Brazil uh, that reached further into the mainstream. He was a global, in terms of MMA, global combat sports star um, that did a lot for the Brazilian market, that did a lot for MMA generally, that competed in some of the biggest shows, that fought in a number of different weight classes. His real legacy is that he is a... Uh, one of the leading figures of Brazilian MMA. That's just a fact. It's just a fact. Now, some of that, of course, you can attribute to, um, you know, TRT and or PEDs. You know, when he flagrantly ignored a commission order and went and competed over in Europe, you know, these things are impossible to ignore. But um, I don't think ultimately that will come to define him. It's a story you can't tell without that component, but that component is not the story. Um, there's a bigger, wider way in which to view him, which I think will ultimately be the way in which people do it. I am I am very confident uh, if past this prologue, that's how it will be done. Um, so especially if he continues in some other organization and gets back on some kind of, you know, medicinal regimen or whatever you want to call it, uh, I, I think the real story of his career, with the, what, are the, what are the biggest things about it? It's that he's probably the biggest MMA star out of Brazil ever. And that he has put on some of the biggest fights the country has ever seen. And that his success was critical to getting MMA hot again in Europe. Or not Europe, sorry, uh, South America and, and, and Brazil generally. And he, a, a key leading figure in this before it was ever popular. And then when it was at its peak really pushing it beyond its next boundary. This guy headlined how many shows for the UFC in the last few years in Brazil? I mean, he has been a central figure for them. So take that for what it's worth, man. Someone wrote Jesus juice, bro. All right. Gokan Saki in the UFC. Yes, Turkey's finest. Look, what was your reaction to the UFC signing kickboxer Gokan Saki last week? Uh, confusion. Confusion. I mean, if you watch him compete in kickboxing, his fights, I mean, he's vicious, man. He's completely vicious. A brutal pocket striker. Um, and I'm sure kickboxing aficionados can tell me a little bit better about it, but, you know, some of the more grittier elements of the Dutch style, not much of a mover, but just an absolute power presence. Reminds me a little bit of Mike Zambides. Um, I mean, just an absolute powerhouse, super accomplished. One of the guys from the K1 era as well, you know, um, a beast, a total beast. But, you know, over, what, a dozen years ago, had one fight in MMA, didn't go well. My understanding is super limited training on the ground. This is not, uh, I don't understand the signing for the UFC at all. This is someone Scott Coker might sign and then put in various 
fights that are you know designed to be much more entertainment than sport, which there's a place for that in MMA. I just didn't know that that place was the UFC. We all we always have these conversations about you know should CM Punk get into MMA? Should he not? And to me, the questions are all is stated poorly. It's not whether CM Punk or and I'm not comparing CM Punk to Jesus Christ to Gokan Saki, who is a super accomplished combat athlete. But suffice to say, in terms of the MMA resume, there are some questions about to what extent they are in for different reasons qualify for uh employment in the ufc and and that's really the, the critical issue here is you know if you want to be involved in mma there's lots of different ways to do that but the ufc is something different the ufc is a league above or at least in theory the, the ufc is supposed to be a higher level and i know folks often say the ufc is just you know pro wrestling with real fights that's certainly your impression of it but that's not it's not a fact that's the way in which that's that's a worldview coming to life um uh, manifesting itself in that in that in the way in which you look at the UFC, but that's not, it's not some sort of statement about objective reality. No more than my statement that um, it's supposed to be something different, other than that's what UFC brass has, has said over the years. Certainly, Joe Silva. But I think the bigger question is: Look, um, clearly, it's going to be difficult to make fights for him, just given who is there. Right? If the UFC was was just like a Scott Coker product, this would not be as hard. And I'm not saying they can't find anyone. I'm sure that they probably can. But this to me feels like they signed him so Bellator couldn't because he would be a perfect signing for Bellator. And that heavyweight division, on, on and they could fight, have him fight in Bellator kickboxing as well as have him fight in Bellator MMA like a Joe Schilling type. Right? I mean, this would be a no effing brainer they could do that. No problem. Um, that it feels to me like they signed him so that they couldn't because he really doesn't fit in that organization. He, he, there's not a lot of guys existing there who he can beat um, unless they just choose to unwisely stand with him. Now, of course, if they all do that, game on. But I can't imagine that uh, the better ones in the division would do something like that, given the inherent risk or the light heavyweight division, whichever division he ends up competing in. Um, so it's it's a head scratcher. It's a head scratcher if you're just looking at the roster and what the UFC has told us over the years about what their product is and what kind of consumer pressure they bow to. Uh, you know, CM Punk has a big pay-per-view name. Gokan Saki doesn't have that, so he's got some power for them in Europe. Maybe they were looking for a European draw, like a local draw who could do well uh, depending on what European market they went to. I don't know if they have any designs on going back to uh, Istanbul, given the uh, certain political uncertainties there. Um not that he has to be in Istanbul to draw necessarily, but you get what I'm saying. Like this was, this was a weird one. I mean, I guess I'm curious as you are, but I would be. It just seems to me like a perfect Bellator signing that didn't happen, so Bellator couldn't sign it. Right? Of course, all the CM Punk trolls are out today. I will ban you, just so you know. Like everyone who's tweeting, everyone who's posting about CM Punk. Uh, after this is over, I'm just going to go through and ban all of you, just so you know. Um, Mark Hunt versus Derek Lewis. Didn't we get this question last week? On a scale of one to ten, how excited are you for this fight? Six or seven, some, somewhere in there. Well, the fact that Derek Lewis may still be recovering from broken ribs have a big effect on this fight. Uh, Hunt is a bit of a headhunter, but um, that can't help. Let's see. 
what will Connor do after Mayweather? I suspect he'll stop fighting for a while. I mean, I could be wrong, but maybe he'll, maybe he'll pop back into MMA. But, you know, if he gets 75 mil, you know, what's he going to do? He's going to go fight Habib or Tony for, or Ally Quinta for five to 10. That doesn't sound very right. Uh, big country in Bellator. Luke, how do you see Roy Nelson's career going at Bellator? I see it going well. I know power is the last thing to go, and he has legitimate ground skills, but how do you see him faring in Bellator? What are the chances they feed him a can or two before having him fight someone like Fedor? Super high. Very, very high. They are just going to find donks you've never heard of, probably. I mean, unless he's in intent in on... Uh, you know, he no one wants a name right away, but... If you're looking at the at the blueprint, they'll probably give him somebody very manageable who will stand with him, one or two of these guys, and then uh, you know, match him up with Mitrione or or something like that. But I doubt they'll do that Congo fight again because Congo will just wrestle him. But they might do that too, you know, you never know. But yeah, they're definitely gonna give him somebody to uh not build him back up necessarily, but as he gets wins, if he gets two brutal knockout wins, everyone's going to be saying all MMA and, and combat sports from the promoter to the fan. It's a lot of nickels out of your ears. It's a lot of, you know, what's the missing thumb trick? You know, it's a lot of that where they, they are banking on a certain degree of amnesia or gullibility. And if a fighter is young and he's given some guys he can beat, they're rebuilding him because there's this long push that they expect out of him to keep happening. Roy Nelson is 40, uh, I believe. It's not like there's a long push ahead that he can realistically make, but he probably has enough left in the tank to give Bellator a, a few good years, or maybe just a couple of good years, or maybe just one more good year. Some, somewhere, three or less or something, right? So, somewhere in that time frame. It's not an insignificant push, but it's not the kind of long haul that that they're expecting from somebody else. To me, what this is more probably going to be about is um, fans will get excited after somebody beats somebody in an overmatched way if they do it in a spectacular fashion, and they generally have a degree of fan uh, uh, positive fan sentiment already built up, which is exactly who Roy Nelson is, and and it will work because it always has. It's, it's you know it's part of the reason why there's a certain degree of you know Mayweather McGregor interest, like all rational uh, analysis will tell you that this is a terrible squash match. That will either be one-sided or boring or both. Impossible to say, though. That's one part of it. And the other part is that um, fans are attracted to sleight of hand. And media media is, too. I don't want to say they're not. Media, media might be attracted to sleight of hand worse, uh, to be honest with you. Um, so they're all complicit and guilty. To varying degrees, but um, that's, that's what a lot of it is. Yes, they're absolutely going to give him a couple of guys who are you've never heard of, and he's going to probably crush them, and it's going to make everyone a lot more excited about him in the process. It is a winning, proven formula. Wave on. Carlos Condit, has Carlos retired? Do you know anything about this? Um, I think I reached out to him, or at least my producer did, a few months ago and got radio silence. Remember, he was in retirement after that Lawler fight. He was only going to come back out if there was a big fight, and he came out and got wrecked by Demi and Maya. I think he's probably done. He hasn't said it exactly, but I suspect that he is. Certainly, he is not answering his phone when we call, and I don't blame him. I got my coffee here. 
with my DC mug. There's a map of DC. All right, that's what it looks. That's what your nation's capital looks like, haters. CNN cuts ties with Kathy Griffin amid controversy over comedian's gruesome anti-Trump photo. Did y'all see that? I had two thoughts about that. One was, I don't know what she was thinking in terms of who are you going, what, what, what is the possible artistic or political aim of this? Um, I suspect on the artistic side, it might be a mixed review. On the political side of this, which of course there is uh, absolutely a component to, you are going to convince nobody of what you want. Like whatever aims you have as a result of this, they are going to backfire. Case in point. On the other hand, who could possibly care about such a thing? Uh, you know, the, oh, look, there's a cross in a bottle of urine. They call it Piss Christ. It's down at the uh, art museum. Don't care. Hey, look, it's a thing of Trump. Don't care. Hey, someone drew a thing of Muhammad. Don't care. It's art. You know, it is hardly offensive. You want to talk about the world in which we live and how to navigate it and how to convince people? Yeah, not the smartest move. This light heavyweight has gotten good again. Here's the names of the contenders. You got Gustafson, Teixeira, Manawahua, Ozdemir, Anderson, Serkinov, St. Pru, Latifi, Lil Nog, Cummins, Tyson Pedro, Jean Vellante, Blahovich, and Antti Gulov. That does not sound super awesome to me. Gustafson, yes. Teixeira looks like he's had his last... You know, I'm not saying he's done, but I'm he's probably not got a whole lot of time left in the sport. Manawa, okay, he's up there. Shogun being in the top four or five of anyone is just... You know, credit to the guy for being an absolute legend, but he is, you know, you really got to wonder about the damage he's taken. Ozdemir, we'll see what he can do. Corey Anderson, I'm kind of chilled out on. Serkinov has some work to do, of course. St. Peru, same. Latifi, I love him, but I don't know how what his real upside is. Little Nog, you know, and Cummins. Pedro's interesting. John Vellante, Blahovich. There's a few names in there that really get you going, but not a ton. This is an interesting question. Tired of GSP. Luke, are you at all tired and worn out about all the things GSP has said since announcing his return? Yes. Yes, I am. Now, like you, I absolutely wish to see, well, I wanted him to stay retired, but he wasn't going to stay retired. He wants to come back. Okay. If that's a given and there's an appropriate fight, I'll live with it. Um, and it looks like sooner or later, I guess they might find one. I really don't know what they're going to do, but this has field felt a little tortuous to be honest. Uh, I wish there was a plan in place with an agreement signed and we could stop doing this passive aggressive stuff through emissaries or, you know, uh, UFC is being passive aggressive one way. He's being passive aggressive. Another I do not understand what is so hard to get a deal done here. I really don't put something in paper, sign it. Let's go. Let's put, you know, let's, let's move this process along in some kind of orderly fashion. This is tortuous, tortuous. Uh, and I'm and I'm very very tired of it. I, I, I almost at a point. I mean, I'm not I'm not at a point where I'm like I don't care if he comes back anymore. I don't think any of us really feel that way. But my patience is wearing thin, super wearing thin. MMA Legends League with the UFC having a down year, at least in terms of big name fights. Can the Legends series and league be a small part of a solution? Well, it depends. Um. 
You've got big names like Matt Hughes, Chuck Liddell, BJ Rampage, Hendo, Couture, Vanderlei, Krokop, Forrest Griffin. Man, we are playing the old hits, huh? Josie's on a vacation far away, isn't she? Come from a land down under, don't you? They would probably stu uh, still do decent numbers. What would a Legends League look like? You just told me what it would look like. Do you go with full Legends events, or do you just put Legends fights on normal cards? Should UFC touch this, or is this more of a Bellator thing? Would it be good or just sad? I mean, you guys, I don't know. I don't know how long this gentleman has been here. Uh, maybe a while, maybe not a long time. But I remember distinctly. I think it was after uh, the the um, in Atlanta, after the Rashad Evans Chuck Liddell fight, when Chuck Liddell got absolutely slept, and there was a question there about you know he could keep going and getting these other big fights. And there were other fights that are being proposed at the time, like maybe a Griffin versus Liddell or something. And Dana White came out and explicitly stated, I don't want that money. That's not money we want to collect, right? We, are, we, we have an ethical uh, aversion to this kind of thing. Probably a, a pragmatic one as well, given what kind of health concerns can arise as a consequence. Um, and everyone really complimented their stance on that, which I do... I do as well. I, I think it really, to be honest, I don't like that Bellator does it. Not much anyway. And I mean, everyone's circumstances is, of course, a little bit different. But um, but I think the way in which Dana White framed that is really the interesting part there. We don't want that money. Now think about that for a second. What does that mean? That doesn't mean there's no money. What it means is there's money here. We just don't want it. Um, MMA, this is one of the stronger arguments about the dramatization element of MMA where the, you have these cult of personalities that people have this deep affinity for regardless, not regardless, but you know, skill level decline, some, somewhat be damned. I don't think you get the same thing in boxing. When guys are washed up, everyone is kind of cruel to them, but that cruelty kind of ushers them out the door a little bit quicker. Um. Although, you know, guys hang on past their prime there too, but, you know, not, not quite at this stage. Right? It's one thing for Ray Mercer to go fight Tim Sylvia in MMA long past the days of his boxing glory, but he's not doing that uh, in, under the auspices of the UFC's blessing. I think that's the big deal. There is money to be made there. I've said it before. I will say it again. I'm telling you guys, there is, there is money to be made in doing a senior uh, tour. Uh, or seniors kind of event or seniors fights. They, it just is true. Call, they call them masters in jujitsu and there'll be masters this weekend. There's going to be, there's a, there's an entire event called the masters, the world's masters. Like that's, you go there because if you're an older guy still competing, you can go compete against other older guys and you can be the masters world champion. That's a real event. And I think they have one for gi and no gi. Not kidding. It's real. Google it. Uh, I know, I know guys who went and competed in it. It's tough. It's hard to win there. It's not even like a bullshit event. Like, it's a legitimately hard event to win. Not as hard as winning the actual worlds, but, you know, okay, what is? Um, so, clearly, like, these people still want to compete. It's obviously different when there's no strikes to the head. Uh, and clearly, there's still some kind of demand for it in, in, in the prize fighting context. The difference is, from a corporate responsibility standpoint, I think the UFC has every reason to say no to it. This is, I know it's a down year. I know it is. This is one of those ones. This is one of those lines in the sand I really don't feel like they should cross. And 
The other issue is if the corporate responsibility element isn't there and Bellator has, you know, a lot fewer options, so they're going to take more risks, right? They don't, they're not, they don't have 80, 85% of the world's best fighters. So they got to figure something else out. Um, then, you know, you have to ask the commission what they're looking for here and what kind of health screenings and responsibilities they have in preventing guys who shouldn't be competing from competing. Right. And, Look, if states say no, then corporations might go elsewhere. So it's a two-way street. But, you know, look, I, I got to be honest. There is absolute consumer demand for it. As much as I don't like saying it's true, it's true. It's a thousand percent true. Remember how Dana White said it? We don't want that money. That, that money exists. They just didn't want it. I really, really hope they stick to it. I really hope they stick to it. There wouldn't be a league. I don't think that would work. But you can tack on a couple of these older ones. On these main cards, hell, you can have them lead main cards for all you for all you want, you know. Um, yeah, it's a it's a thing, it's a it's a real thing. Re weirdest pre-fight ritual. What are some of the weirdest pre-fight rituals you've heard fighters doing? Is it still the Jackson Wink Camp's nipple twist? Uh, weirdest pre-fight ritual. That's a good question. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, I've seen guys bring in priests before that's, that's weird exactly, but it's a little unusual. You don't see a lot of that, you know, the priests would go in there and bless them. I've seen that. Um, uh, most guys have a fairly normal routine. You know, you get in there for unarmed combat. They kind of keep to themselves. They just keep it low energy. Uh, Brandon Vera for a time used to throw up before every fight. So, actually, you know what? Throwing up is pretty common. I wouldn't call it a ritual, but it's a it, go to a fight, go to a local fight. And just, I know you don't want to do this, but spend time in the bathroom and watch how many fighters come through vomiting. It's, it'll, it'll surprise you. It's, it's, it's way more common than you think it is. And it's not like a dehydration barf. It's like an anxiety barf, you know, uh, that's pretty common. I've seen that as well. Um, I don't know. I haven't seen too many. I don't know about too many pre-fight rituals that guys have. Will Jermaine Durandamy go down in history as the worst modern era UFC champion ever? I don't think she'll be considered as... I think what people will say is... Um, I mean, probably to answer your question, but I think more people will think about it as guys who, you know, didn't just abandon ship. Uh, you know, this title just got created. It was one fight. I I'm talking about guys who held the bout or held the belt in an established division and, you know, in some ways we're, we're failing in a different capacity, right? You know, holding up this cherished title in uh, a very poor job versus somebody who just took a title from one fight. It was really almost an interim title in some ways. And, uh, and then just walked away from not, I mean, so the answer to question is probably yes, but th I think there will also be room reserved for somebody else who, um, tries to wins the belt in a more established division and therefore it carries a little bit more significance and consequence. 
Monster Energy Sponsor. Luke, can you explain why certain fighters are allowed to wear Monster as an additional sponsor? Is that a violation of the Reebok deal? How would it possibly be a violation of the Reebok deal and they would do it? I mean, or you would do it and you wouldn't hear about it. It's not a violation. Monster also sponsors the UFC, and some are able to be sponsored by both. Um, so there you go. Thoughts on Vitor fighting after this weekend? It sounds like Vitor isn't really retiring after this weekend. That's what it sounds like. Are you comfortable with the idea of him signing with Bellator and, say, fighting another five fights against appropriate level competition? After all the damage he's taken, probably not. But what can I really do about it, you know? What can I really do about it? I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know, guys. I don't know what's going to happen. If he goes to Japan and gets back on TRT or, you know, even for Bellator and gets on it, you know, I guess I'll just say this. Let's just see what it looks like. Let's see what it looks like. I mean, my natural inclination is to say this will go poorly and be a very bad idea. And I suspect if that's how you believe, we'll be proven right. But I don't know, man. Like if these 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 guys can get a license and the corporation says yes, what can I really do? You know, I can I can scream and shout on this live chat. And, you know, people notice I get emails sometimes from angry fighters or managers, believe me, but uh, it's not going to stop them, you know. I don't know. I don't know what the hell to do about that. Uh, first thing you learned as a journalist, I just started writing about MMA and recently had my first interview with a fighter. The thing that struck me the most is the very thin line between confidence and self-deception. What are some of the things you realized quickly when you changed from a fan into a journalist uh okay a lot of these guys are terrible people <laughs> it's true for mma media too by the way like we're no better but uh some of these guys are pretty terrible people and if not terrible selfish very very selfish which is partly understandable actually uh some are great some are great but i think the thing i learned was that's an important lesson uh, that there's a, that, you know it's really hard to tell when they're and it's not even it's not even you call it self-deception Self-deception is not necessarily a bad thing, right? You can delude yourself into greatness at times. It is possible. Um, for me, the issue was, and this is why I've been pushing back against, I, I mean, I think there is this natural impulse. We always talk about it. Fighters have to do more to market themselves. And I definitely feel like there's a lot of smart arguments about that. And I think and I always point to like people like Tyron Woodley, like just paying a camera crew to follow him to do the champ camp. And it comes out looking really awesome. Like that's a really smart thing to do, you know? And he naturally is a little bit more media savvy anyway, but anyway, but one of the things I realized when you sort of, when you, when you begin to talk to fighters at the amateur level, then low level pro, then regional level pro, then high level pro, and then the elitist, the uh, top level, what you begin to realize is that some of these guys just do not have the ability to market themselves. And I really believe that, you know, and I, it's, they're so focused on everything else. It's so hard what they do. It is so demanding on them that, you know, that's why I've been really hesitant to be like, you guys need to go out there and market yourselves. I mean, it's true. Like there is, and there is more they could be doing in a realistic way. But I think that's the thing I object to is we really need to have a conversation about what they can realistically do to market themselves, what they can realistically do to get their names out there and, and be promoted in a more um, meaningful way and self-promoted. I think that's the thing. A lot of times people are just trying to pull blood from stone. It's, it's just not going to happen. So better than to just sort of cry, why don't they do more? Um, 
you know, sort of facilitate a conversation, a narrower conversation about more realistic options. And I think that's really the best you can hope for. Question we all want answered, all in all caps. Can McGregor use a spinning back fist against Mayweather? Yes. Rogan on Aldo's legacy. This is a good one. I thought about this today, too. Luke, what are your thoughts on Joe Rogan saying that Aldo's legacy will always be tarnished by his loss to McGregor? I get what he's saying, but it rubbed me the wrong way. Aldo was arguably the greatest featherweight ever, took on all comers, was unbeaten for a decade, dominated the likes of Faber, Mendez, Swanson, Lamas, Florian, Korean Zombie, and others, and overcame the loss to Connor to reclaim the belt. It looked better than ever when he did it. Is it really fair to hold a single flash knockout loss against him? That just doesn't seem fair in my eyes. No, it's not. No, it's not, actually. Um, it's a great, great question. What the hell? They call in me. So look, um, that 13-second loss, man, champions don't lose much worse than that. That's probably one of the worst ways I've ever seen a champion lose, especially a champion that decorated. Uh, I don't think you can ever live that loss down to an extent. So I think there's something to be said for that. But um, to be honest, like I, I, I and everyone's going to be different. You know, everyone's going to be different. Everyone's going to focus on certain things based on certain preferences or proclivities or allegiances. You know, there's just everyone's got their own way of viewing the world in, in this context in particular. But for me, let me tell you how I view it. You cannot take away what McGregor did. You really, really can't. That way is such a commanding, unbelievable way to win. Um, but a couple things that sort of don't, for lack of a better description, keep me up at night. Number one, he didn't give him a rematch. Number two, he's basically gone from the division altogether. I mean, if, I mean, maybe he'll come back. I, I sincerely doubt it, but uh, I would bet that he's not coming back. M more importantly, um, to me, focusing on the third, like if you're one of those people that's trolls on social media, like 13 seconds, bro, 13 seconds, that's basically you raising your hand saying, I didn't start watching MMA until 2013. That's kind of what that means. I don't know how it's possible to watch Aldo's ascension through WEC and all those years in the UFC before Connor and just let 13 seconds wipe it all away. I mean, you can't ignore it. It's a huge part of it. Sort of like Vitor Belfort and his PED part. I mean, it's a big deal, but it's not the deal. I mean, it's an incredibly distinguished record. It is an incredible achievement that he's been able to have. And I got to be honest, like, um, I would like to see McGregor fight at lightweight again, but I don't need to see him fight at featherweight again. I've kind of moved on. That that hurricane moved through the moved through the island, so to speak. And for me, having Holloway fight Aldo this weekend, I don't think it will put to bed all concerns about who the biggest champ is there. And especially if Aldo wins, it's going to be hard to quell some of those doubts. But I think it moves us more meaningfully toward a post-McGregor featherweight a, a, a division. I really believe that. And if Al Holloway wins, even more so. Because you can clearly say uh, Holloway wasn't the same guy either when he fought McGregor. Now, maybe you like McGregor's chances against Holloway in some kind of rematch. Hell, I might even like him as well. I'm merely pointing out that um, that is a guy reborn and redeveloped and a total brand new man. And you, I, I, I am very excited 
for Holloway versus Aldo, not least of which is because the fight is excellent on its own terms. But I, you need events like this to begin to really clean up the wreckage of all the problems that were created as a consequence of him winning and then leaving. Um, and this gets us closer to that. Again, I don't think it ultimately closes the door and no one will ever say anything again about the 13 seconds. That's he's, that he's, He was tattooed. He was tattooed with that. You can't just wash the tattoo off. But there's a whole lot more to the story than just the tattoo of that loss. It really is. And I think to just not have a broader appreciation of him, I'm not saying that's what Rogan did. I think Rogan is commenting on everyone else, and that's okay. But if you're one of these fans out there that can only focus on that, I would really have a strong look in the mirror uh, about why you feel that way and how it came to be that you feel that way because I just have a very difficult time understanding how you can watch all that history unfold and then go, 13 seconds, bro. Okay, 13 seconds is bad, no doubt about it. But what about all that good? Have you no, have you no appreciation for that? This erases all of that? I don't think it does. This becomes part of that. You know, they, that, that story is told together. And credit to Conor McGregor for making it a big part of the story. But mm, I don't think so. That I, I really, really question uh, the depth of someone's fandom, if that's the best they can muster. Truly, I mean that. Joanna Champion versus Valentina the Bullet Shevchenko. Well, I I have a story I uh, submitted. I don't know when it's going to go up where we go into this with a, uh, a a very 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 good MMA coach. So I'll just say I'll leave it for that. But yes, we get into that as well about what would happen with them and what has happened with them. So be on the lookout for that on MMA fighting. Would Shevchenko make one fifteen? No, no, she can't. She cannot make 115, nor does she have any interest in making 115 from what I'm told. 125, slightly different story. Francis versus JDS. Do you think do you think this fight is a good idea for JDS? Nope, sure don't. Uh how do you see this fight going? I see it going Francis's way. Should the UFC pay for Junior's funeral after this fight? I know some... For, okay, here we go. For example, horrible fight, in my opinion, especially for JDS. Beast and Nganu versus shopworn JDS. Even if Nganu is still relatively green and JDS is more skilled, this match is just way too dangerous, in my opinion, for someone coming off of a first-round KO. I absolutely hate this matchup. Uh, yeah, I don't hate the matchup, but I agree with the analysis. Terrible fight for JDS. Seems to me like the UFC is trying to usher in in a lot of these divisions, they're trying to usher in new blood to get old blood out. Um, and this feels like exactly one of those scenarios, doesn't it? Yeah, boy. If you're a JDS fan, you have to hate this fight. I think Nganu is going to run over him. Terrible, terrible, terrible. True, false. Whenever, boy, but these have mostly gone away. Whenever she fights next, Jermaine Durandamy will be booed. Well, unless it's in Holland, but yes. The Teixeira fights fight tells us nothing about Gustafson's chances against DC or Jones. Uh, not nothing. It was interesting watching the analysis after the fight. Some people were like, oh my God, Gustafson is back. He looks better than he's ever looked. 
better than he's ever looked. I don't know about that. He's looked he's looked pretty good in the past. Uh, or I, I didn't see anything that gives me confidence for him in a in a second fight with either of those guys. I saw both of those. I thought that was kind of weird. I mean, again, perspectives will vary. I think the the takeaway I had was that I don't know if he can beat Jones or DC again because they were razor close contests, but he did come up short both times against those guys. That says something. On the other hand, what I did see was that um, he is not ultimately beaten by those circumstances. He's not shop-worn. Um, he's still perfectly willing to get in there and slug it out. And I know, yes, I know he had those evasion moments, which we went over in the Monday Morning Analyst, that some folks objected to in some, in some ways quite rightly. But I think th the perspective I gained was that um, whatever chances he had in those first fights, his chances are at least as good in the rematches. That's sort of my perspective, is that he has had a bad moment there and had some dark moments in his career, and he brought himself back to that level he had before. And remember, you know, though he, he barely lost both of those contests. One thing could have gone differently. He could have been a champion on two different occasions, right, or whatever. Uh, beating those guys in any case it, it, and they just couldn't quite get it at the end when he needed to slight turn of events could have changed all of that and i think that's the that's the place he's bought himself back to but is he the best version we've ever seen no i don't think that's true do we see a guy who has no chance against those guys in a rematch i also don't think that's true i think we have a guy who is absolutely has a chance against both of those guys after digging himself out of a terrible terrible hole and terrible hole Let's go over that terrible hole for just a minute, right? Since everyone doesn't believe in the idea of uh, tune-ups or time off, appropriate time off anyway. All right, so this was his run in the UFC. After losing to Phil Davis, he beat Cyril Diabate, James Tahuna, Matt Hamill, Vladimir Matyushenko, Tiago Silva. Then he beats Shogun. Loses to John Jones, then he beats Jimmy Manoa, all right? He fought twice in 2012, once in 2013, that was the loss. Then he fought once in 2014, that was the win. Fought twice in 2015, but those are the two losses to Johnson and Cormier. He fought once, oops, hold on. He fought once in 2016 against Blahovich and then against Teixeira. To me, this guy has achieved a certain level of technical proficiency that can only be modestly improved between fights. Taking that kind of time off, and I know partly that was related to injury or whatever, but taking that kind of time off, I think ultimately was a benefit for him. He was in some terrible, terrible wars from 2013 to 2015. It made sense for him to take a step back in 2016 and now 2017, although he, it looks like he'll fight at least one more time in 2017. Um, I really think that was smart, and I really think taking the Blahovich fight also made sense because he barely got through it, but it got him back on his feet, and it got him ready with the additional time off and, and game plan sharpening. For Glover Teixeira. They handled that right. They handled that right. People want that Congo rematch with Nelson. No me gusta. Um, new stars emerge quickest when the old stars have left the scene. No, new stars emerge quickest when they feed off of the elderly who then get kicked out of the scene. With De La Hoya's comments in mind, boxing's reputation will take a bigger hit from McGregor Mayweather than MMA's reputation. I don't know. Did y'all see uh did y'all see Mayweather or not Mayweather, I'm sorry, um De La Hoya's comments basically argue that like 
after after all that build up for a Mayweather Pacquiao and I went up being a bit of a dud, doing that again to fans could be, you know, I don't know. I think he used the word fatal blow to boxing. I don't believe that, but it could damage the willingness of fans to purchase big time. It could dampen enthusiasm among the casual fan base going forward for a while, which I think is true. It could. It has, I'm not saying it will, but it certainly has that possibility. Um, if it winds up being that, you know, the fight sucks and it's just, you know, Mayweather just taking everyone's money and treating everyone like a sucker. And again, amnesia is a big component of fights being sold, right? You just forget that the last one sucked and, and you go and pony up again. So do I, right? Just as guilty. Um, everyone's response was sour grapes, bro. <laughs> sour grapes. You just mad. You can't get some of that check. And my thought was there might be some truth to that. There might be some sour grapes. What's that got to do with his argument? In other words, imagine if it wasn't De La Hoya making that argument. Imagine if it was like, you know, the ghost of Burt Sugar or something making that argument. Now, what are you going to do? Like, in other words, it's totally fine to question De La, Ho De La Hoya's motivations and his conflict of interest there. It's totally fine. But that doesn't answer his arguments. That doesn't have anything to do with the merit of what he is saying. And the merit of the arguments, the, the, the arguments don't have weight because he said them. Either they have weight or they don't because they stand up to scrutiny on their own. So when everyone was like, just mad because you can't get that check, bruh. It's like, maybe, but you're not answering any of his claims when you say that. Like, you might be right that that's why he's saying it. He can also be right at the same time. And so to me, there are some big concerns. And whether it hurts MMA more or boxing more, I don't know. I really don't know. It's, it depends entirely on how it all shakes out. And it could, in the end, benefit both. Is That's another way to look at it. Um, I don't think that's the likeliest outcome, but certainly one you can't ignore. But um, but just saying things like, got conflict of interest, bruh. <laughs> so? You're not addressing the arguments at all. At all. You're just saying, because you have a conflict of interest, therefore the arguments can't hold weight. Not how it works. Not how it works. Dana White's new broadcast dream team and Rogan. Right around this time, Dana said that the new broadcast dream team would be assembled with Rogan and a mystery replacement for Goldie. Has there been any new information or rumblings about who this might be? It feels as if it is being abandoned altogether, and this whole three-person broadcast thing is what it's going to be for a while. I have not heard anything, but I haven't been following up on it either, so I'll look into it. Tale of the Tape. Oh, Jesus Christ. I can't go through this. Someone put a, someone put a literal tale of the tape together between Donk Donkerson and Rick Rickerson. <laughs> okay. Claudia versus Kovalkiewicz. Instead of asking you who will win this fight, I have two different questions about this bout instead. All right. Do you feel like this fight has gone severely under the radar? Yes. Nobody seems to be talking about it. I would agree. Like a great, great fight. Um, Brian Stan was talking about how much he thinks Kovalkiewicz is an underrated athlete. He had, a big, he had a big, long spiel about it on his radio show yesterday. I think it's up on SoundCloud if you guys want to check that out. It's really, really good. Uh, what are the chances this fight doesn't go the distance? I, I think it's very strong likelihood it goes the distance. Uh, Claudia will probably wrestle her for two rounds and then get banged out on the third. And Kovalkiewicz is hard to hurt and hard to finish, but can be controlled with wrestling. So I like Claudia's chances, but I like Kovalkiewicz to survive. So 
very, very small chances it doesn't go the distance. It feels like a lock to go the distance, but what are the chances do you give this fight to end within the first three rounds? 20% or less. Very, 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 very small chance. Browsy still in the USADA pool. I don't think so, but I don't know. I can check. Someone goes, what was that crazy fight Nick Diaz was offered? And someone else says, Bryce Harper. Yes, it was Bryce Harper. Okay, here's a here's a fun question. CM Punk versus Bryce Harper. Uh, you've been very clear on your point. You think CM Punk would fit well on Dana White's Tuesday night contender series. Yes, I absolutely believe that. I think that's the right place for him. I have an idea for the perfect opponent for him. Bryce Harper is a former MVP, currently playing for the Washington Nationals, hometown hero, and leading the MVP charge, I believe, this season. Uh, well, now that he's suspended, maybe not. But he has the same number of wins in MMA as CM Punk. <laughs> however, he, uh, however, he also has an amateur fight against San Francisco Giants uh, pitcher Hunter Strickland. What a douchebag he is! In which he fought uh, competitively to a draw. In terms of competitive matchups, this is obviously someone who CM Punk could hang with, and Harper is obviously a big enough name to provide some attention to both CM Punk and Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. How excited would you be for this fight? Legitimately excited, especially if it was on Dana White's. I mean, if they put it on the UFC, I would cry. But you put it on Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series, and you can just let the donkery go. Yeah, dude, let's go. Bryce Harper's hair flapping in the wind like old glory as he's putting right hands on that clown Strickland. I love everyone talking about Bryce Harper's form. Like, Bryce Harper's form sucked. And yes, you know, uh, the helmet toss was bad. I mean, there's no denying it. I don't know what he was doing. It looked like it slipped out of his hands. But the thing about the helmet toss is you got to get the helmet toss in there. You got to throw it at him because you need to get their hands up so they don't see the punch coming. Then you go and you bring that bus driver uppercut. What? You know, Alexander Gustafsson all the way from Stockholm, Sweden. Bink. Up the up the gut, man. That's what you got to do. Uh, he didn't do that, so the hands got to stay in play, right? And by the time he hit him with the right hook, it was kind of blocked, so he ended up like sort of just hitting him almost like with this part of the hand, which kind of probably had to hurt, to be honest. But uh, Strickland sucks. F that guy. What a loser he is. You hold on to a three-year grudge because Bryce Harper owned you back in the day? Grow up, man. My God. And you won the World Series that season. What a weirdo he is. All right. Okay. Let's go to the Twitter machine. You can follow me at L Thomas News, or you can use the hashtag chat rappers, and I will get to them now. Someone says, Who inspired your donk yokel voice? All of the donks I grew up with in South Georgia. Uh, someone says Jermaine Duran to me would not be booed in Holland, but don't think in Holland they would cheer her very much. Dutch fans have reacted very negatively as well. Interesting. The Dutch are very friendly people, I have found. Um, I mean, they're not all like Baz, Baz Rutten, who is very, very, very friendly, but still. Bigger phony persona, Jones or Rousey? 
I guess Jones, but I'm not sure what you mean by Rousey. Is Faber's lack of credit the root cause for Dillashaw feud? I'm not sure what that means. Do you see the UFC adopting the 165, 175-pound divisions? Not anytime soon, but possible. True or false? Trump has Luke's Twitter verification. Don't know what that means. What is your opinion on Cody saying he wants to be on the July 29th card with Jones DC on the MMA hour yesterday? Uh, I think he's just saying stuff. They're not going to do that, so it doesn't really matter. If you could interview one MMA personality on Truth Serum, who would it be? Ooh, probably Dana White. Thoughts on Ben Askren. Wants to fight in August and then as a free agent. Bellator next? I hope. I hope. I hope that that's where he belongs. I, I mean, I don't know if Scott Coker has any interest. I guess we'll find out. But I know one has been nice to him, and we've basically lost his prime, which was tragic. But he's still got a few good fights left in him. I would like to see them be against some, you know, Bellator's welterweight division is awesome now. Let's add Askren to the list, see what he can do. Your take on Nganu, yada, yada, yada. Your, what did you make of Jose Aldo's bench press form on UFC Countdown? I didn't see it. Did he have a proper back arch? Can someone send me a, a, a picture or a video of Jose Aldo's bench press? I would like to see it. I would like to comment on it. Bench press is sneaky hard to do, man. Sneaky hard to do. Everyone just benches like this, like a jackass. And that's why all their shoulders are torn up. Bench press is hard, man. I'm still working on it. And I jacked my back up. Do you guys remember I had a super effed up back <coughs> in January and February? I couldn't power lift at all the last few months. I've only just recently started back on a, on a program because I had, I was, you can arch your back a little bit, but you have to have more thoracic bend and not lumbar bend. I had too much lumbar bend because I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't doing it right. I was playing with my foot adjustment to get leg drive into the bench. And uh, I jacked it up. I jacked it up bad. So it's a sneaky hard uh, press to get right. Sweden was a solid 4 p.m. start, though, not 4 a.m. Okay. Someone says, time to hit the bong and let Luke Thomas do the rest. I am glad to know we got out there. Bonks on the bong. All right. Any chance if Holloway wins the title and asks to defend in Hawaii during the Octagon interview, he'll get it? Extremely unlikely. There are not only time zone issues and venue issues, but also um, monetization issues with taxes on events there. True or false? Jose Aldo defeats Max Holloway. Probably going to say true. Carolina Kovalkiewicz defeats Claudia Gedalia. False. Warriors sweep the Cavaliers. They might, man. They look good this season. Damn. Luke, why can't the UFC go out and get 145-pound women? They can. There's just not many of them and not many of them at UFC level. Didn't they plan this division before they created it? I don't think so. I think they planned it for it to be the cyborg show, and then they tried to go ahead and move on without her, which wound up backfiring pretty dramatically. Oscar was on TMZ saying Connor should fight Canelo. I'm sure he was. 
Oscar's a hater when it comes to Floyd. Absolutely true. Again, that's got that's not a refutation of the arguments. A refutation of the arguments is addressing the arguments. It's not saying he's a hater when it comes to Floyd. He is a hater when it comes to Floyd. What's that got to do with his arguments? I, I, I think the sky is blue. Luke's a hater. He's always out there hating on things. I might be. What's that got to do with me arguing the sky is blue? Wouldn't Pacquiao versus McGregor be a better fight? No. And when will people start being honest about Floyd versus Connor after it's over? Likely unfair conjecture. Is Belfour being the favorite at UFC 212 an indication that odds makers think Brazil is a TRT oasis? No. I think the thinking there is that Belfour for three minutes has good hand speed and can fight. For three minutes, he's got you. And Marquardt uh, doesn't have the same kind of ability to take punishment and won't have the same speed advantage. After that, it's anyone's game. But if he can last three minutes, which is hard, you know, he's been stopped pretty quickly by Hector Lombard before. So, Did you see Mike Perry's comments on the MMA Hour regarding the UFC? What he said made me feel a fighter's union is hopeless. No, I did not. Name some examples of fighters who are exceptions to the horrible, selfish people generally in your experience. Exceptions to that. Okay. Justin Wren uh, is a total nothing like that at all. Um, in my experience, I thought Mike Easton was that way. I thought he was a really, really down-to-earth giving guy. Um, I'm trying to think of some other ones who... I'm sure TJ Dillashaw would disagree. I'd say Faber is, is a pretty great guy, to be honest. Uh, you know, I, there might be some questions about his business practices, but as a athlete and um, as a teammate, I think his resume is pretty strong. Thoughts on Machida's chances at middleweight on his return to the top competition? I think it will do him a little bit of good, to be honest. I mean, I'm sure this is not ideal, not this amount of time off, but he he probably needed some and he worked on his english a lot I mean, he's are you guys following him on reddit man or his is uh his english teacher on reddit luna machida is out there really working on his english very very impressive you got to be you have to be very impressed by that guy's commitment to you know being a more well-rounded person and improving his career even this late in the, in the game it's 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 inspiring Why won't the UFC talk about the women's 145-pound division? What's the advantage to keeping a, as future roster a mystery? It sounds to me like they don't even know what they want to do with it. That's to, to be the bigger issue. Do you know who Mickey Gall is fighting next? I talked to him a couple of weeks ago. He didn't have any names, but he said he was looking at like July, August. I think he wants to get on that on that uh, on that um, 213 card, and if not that, something in August. So we'll see. Do the light heavyweights realize that without Jones, they are as compelling as the flyweights? I don't know. Ask them. If you could interview... Oh, here we go. Why does the UFC need to wait to confirm info we know Cody TJ canceled so they can announce a new fight simultaneously? I think fans did not know. Fans just sort of assumed it was off. Rightly assumed, but that's not the same as knowing. Luke, would you be in favor of slicing the UFC roster and events in two 
if it meant the remaining fighters were paid better. I don't know that I want to split it into two. That seems a little bit drastic. Um, that seems a little drastic. But, you know, cut by a third or something, or a fourth, something like that. Yeah, that wouldn't be too bad. Mm, even a third is high. A fourth or a fifth. Hell, even a sixth is, is, is still a substantial cut. So cut in two, no. Deny that cyborg went true a visible skeletal transformation since her start in MMA and now is just plain disingenuous. Apparently, she is Wolverine. I didn't know she had adamantium on her skeleton. Impressive. Did you catch the Kell Brook Errol Spence fight this weekend? I did not. Someone sent me the damn video of Aldo doing the bench press, man. I want to see this. If there were more open women's divisions, the talent will come. There are high-level women in other combat sports. True. It would take time. It would take time. What do you make of, again, uh, JDS versus Nganu? Love it, man. Fill in the blank. The four horsemen of the grappling and MMA apocalypse are Maya, Nurmagomedov, Askren, and Verdum. Verdum. Verdum's grappling. I remember having debates with everyone before the Noguera fight, being like, bro, <laughs> Noguera, Noguera might be the best submission heavyweight in MMA. I'm like, nope. Not even, not even close. Verdum is, is an order of magnitude better. Not just in pure jiu-jitsu, but in pure MMA jiu-jitsu, too. And then, of course, he goes out and he subs Noguera. So, uh, it's 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 Verdum. Verdum is... You could put Jacare in there, maybe, if you really wanted to. But I've always thought that Verdum was such a lethal uh, finisher with his subs. So, you could put Jacare if you wanted to. Um, okay. Get a few more of these in. See. Chris Cyborg, pity. I would consider myself empathetic to Cyborg. I think you mean sympathetic. Uh, Cyborg is polarizing, to put it mildly. That's true. I do think a lot of the criticism she's obtained is fair, and I think a lot of it has to do with her appearance and the way she violently defeats women who, let's be honest, are generally considered more attractive fan favorites. Okay, fair enough. That being said, I do get the impression that a lot of journalists on the other side of the polarization can go beyond supporting and empathizing with her and downright pity her. She's been treated unfairly throughout her career, but she has made plenty of her own mistakes, too. Do you get the impression that there is a portion of MMA journalists who are too soft on Cyborg? Well, that's going to be a, it's a bit of a loaded question. Too soft, I don't know. But are you asking, is there a disconnect between the way in which media view Cyborg and the way in which there seems to be a general fan sentiment and is the media perspective a little bit more charitable than the fan one, whether that's right or it's wrong? Yes, there's a disconnect there. Mm -hmm. Sure. Next fight for Ryan Hall. I will text him. Fight kit sales numbers. Good question. I have been wondering this the last few weeks. Are you aware of the sales numbers for Reebok fight kits? I am not, and this is a closely guarded secret. 
I've tried looking on various MMA news sites for any articles about the sales, but have had no luck. I imagine the numbers are not very good, but I'm curious about the actual numbers. Outside of Connor and Ronda, do you think any of the fight kits are selling well? No, because I think if they were, you would know about it. They'd be bragging to high heaven about it, and they're not. Now, the question is, are the ways in which the cost distributed and if you view every time a fighter wears a Reebok kit in any event in any part of the country as a great advertising opportunity, um, are they getting their money's worth Reebok with this, um, with this arrangement with the UFC? I think they would say they are. I think they would say they are. But if you're asking on top of that consumer purchase, uh, consumer purchases, those kinds of sales, are those meeting any kind of expectations? Well, it depends what the expectations are, but I can't imagine I cannot imagine those are doing quite well. I have seen them on discount. I mean, this is anecdotal evidence, but I've certainly seen them on discount racks in a number of sports stores. Now, sports stores are having a their own kind of crisis, and so is retail generally. There's a retail crunch in terms of brick-and-mortar institutions happening in this country. But um, as a consequence of, like, Amazon and delivery, it's just sort of making brick-and-mortar obsolete. But, um, but no, I have not. I have. They have never, ever talked about it. Those are proprietary figures. I would love to know what they are. I would really love to know because you'll recall when they were first announced and they had that big presser where it was flexibility and everything else, they came out and said, look, these fighters are going to get a portion of these sales, right? So if someone buys a Cain Velasquez kit, a, a, a portion of this is going to go to him and that's going to be another revenue stream for them. Okay. What is the revenue stream? You know what I'm going to start doing? I'm going to start asking fighters, how much of a check have you ever gotten from fight kit sales? I'm going to start doing that today. I got Stefan Struve on my show. I'm going to ask Stefan Struve. I'm going to ask him. I'm going to start. I am going to start doing that. This is such a good question from Blase Blase. Uh, very, 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 very thoughtful and good question. Let's start doing that. If anyone in MMA media is watching, ask every fighter you talk to, have they ever gotten a check for consumer purchased fight kit sales with their name on it? And if so, how much? Ballpark. I am going to start doing that. Very, 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 very good question. Uh, do you think any American at the Mundials has a really good chance of winning gold at black belt this year? Um, I don't. The some of Marcelo's guys, Gianni Grippo, is certainly coming along. Because uh, remember, uh, was it was it Paulo Miao who suspended? No, not necessarily in the same weight class. Um, I'm just looking out for Bouchesha. Bouchesha's back this this year. See if he can get double gold. There's going to be no Hadolfo Vieira, so that's kind of interesting. But Hadolfo's at ATT training for MMA. Um, uh, and then I'm really curious about Dylan Dennis. Uh, he was on Instagram. He dyed his hair purple, calling himself a sex symbol, which is hilarious. Uh, so keep I'll, I'll keep an eye on that. I'll be tweeting about it all week. Um, so you can follow me at L Thomas News. I'll be following that. Big big doings. Very very curious. And of course, Hafa Mendes retired as well. So keep that in mind too. All right, it is 2.30. Thank you guys so much for watching. Look at that, two weeks in a row, no issues with the microphone, huh? It's a Christmas miracle in May 31st. Uh, you can like and follow uh, me on Instagram and Facebook. Just find Luke Thomas News on either, and that will work. You can email me, LukeThomasNews at gmail.com. I will answer those. It takes me a little bit of time, but I will get to them. So send them there. Don't go to the old email address anymore, LukeThomasNews at gmail.com. Uh, and think of anything else. Uh, yeah. Subscribe to MMA Fighting, like this video, share it around, and until next time, donkeys, stay frosty.